Good evening, everybody. Praise the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and read a verse of scripture. I'm going to go ahead and get started. won't be very long tonight. Some of you are probably thinking, wonderful. So, I'm doing you all a favor. And um, I'm just going to read a little verse, passage of Scripture, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, and uh, I'm going to begin reading verse 11. Luke chapter 1, verse 11 says, There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right hand of the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fell upon, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and thou shalt have joy and gladness. And many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. He shall go before him in the power and the spirit of Elias to turn the hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let's go before the Lord in prayer and then you may be seated. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to minister. Help me to teach Speak through me tonight. Touch every honest heart in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. I, I said it won't be very long. I didn't have, don't have much notes notes with me tonight. I'm going to continue to teach a little bit out of this character series that I've been teaching on. And so if you were here last week, I talked a little bit about um, uh, David. Uh, if you were there for that. And so, and before that, I talked about Moses and how uh, Moses and David all struggled with the same thing, being mighty men of God. Uh, Moses, one of my favorite biblical characters, and David both were patriarchs of the Old Testament, but uh, were very much human, like uh, me and you, and all of us. All of us are, and so um, and they struggled uh, in their lives with certain at certain points in their life, and with. When God called them to do something great, and they and then they and they all struggled with with doubt. We know Moses struggled and had a lot of insecurities. And as I taught on David last week, David struggled a lot, um, even though he was king, and even though he was victorious, and even though he slayed a lot of giants, he had his own struggles. And he wrote a a good portion of the Book of Psalms on um, on uh, those struggles that he went through and how lonely he he felt in those seasons and times of his life and so and there's another biblical character that uh, I'll talk just briefly about tonight and uh, his name is John the Baptist and so and uh, and so one thing I will say is that John the Baptist's life if you study it is a um, it's a very interesting uh, biblical character as a matter of fact the Lord called him the greatest man to ever live and that's a huge statement for Jesus to say, considering all that went before him, Abraham, Moses, even King David. And so, um, 
and, and if you study John the Baptist's life, it's a reflection that living for God a lot of times is not always uh, rainbows and it's not always uh, it's not always a cakewalk. And um, a lot of times, you know, in Christianity that's portrayed a lot is that living for God is always going to be a wonderful thing. And there's success and wealth and power for living and all these things can happen and you're... <clears throat> All of those things that you ever desire and could want, if you live for God, you'll have them. And, and so we have these promises, but a lot of times there's a lot of, um, uh, it's a journey that we go through, and sometimes it's not always not always the case. And uh, the story of John the Baptist always kind of puzzled me. It always settled really uneasy in my spirit. Uh, there's not a lot of stories in the Bible that does that. I just don't like the way John the Baptist's life ended. I don't think it was right. Um, and so if you, don't, if you don't know about it, I'll talk a little bit about it tonight. And so, um, but as a child of God, I will say that uh, we're not exempt from a lot of things. We're not exempt from potholes. We're not exempt from suffering. We're not exempt from sickness. We're not exempt from, from death, for all will face the consequence of of sin, and that is the sting, sting of death. Uh, flat tires, family conflicts, financial struggles, failures, unexpected hardship. The list goes on and on and on and on. And so, as you live for God somewhere in that journey, God will fail to meet your expectation at times. And so, the question then comes down to the same question that John had to face: Is what do we do if John, if if God fails to meet our expectations? Amen. And so John the Baptist, if you read about him, the Bible says that he had long hair and um, kind of a crazy wild man at, that lived out in the wilderness. He was the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth, as I read to you in Scripture. They were descendants of the Aaron priest line. Um, they were old and couldn't have children. They were old and couldn't have children. And I heard it said before minister, or Brother Huntley, I believe, said that there's a great parallel in that because uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were old and couldn't have children, and Mary and Joseph were young and weren't supposed to have children, and so he reflected it to how even though in their stricken age, Zechariah and Elizabeth still was able to have children, and he tied it to how it's never too late to have revival despite the age of the of the church. I thought that was really, really, really neat. And so John was the cousin of Jesus. And so at 30 years old, history tells us that he begins to go out into the wilderness and um, begins to preach the gospel. Um, And he was known, the Bible says, as the forerunner. And so when I think of John the Baptist, I think of, uh, think of a hippie back in the 80s, 70s. Uh, who is probably a part of Woodstock, a voice says to cry out. And when I was studying this, I said, you know what? It is time for the church to cry out. It is time for the church to cry out. You know, every one around us, you got all kinds of people coming out of the closet with all kinds of different stuff. And as they're coming out of the closet, Christianity is starting to get into the closet. I said, this is not the time for us as Christians and as us as one God apostolics to get into the closet. It's time for us to cry out louder than we have ever have because we cannot sit around and let the world around us head to a burning, fiery 
destination. Amen. It is time for us to cry out. And then the verse goes on to say, and I said, what shall I cry? What shall I cry? Amen. So what do you cry? And the the word of the Lord says, all flesh is grass and all godliness thereof is as the flower of the field. We'll go through this quite a bit of scripture. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of the Lord, word of God shall stand forever. I'll tell you one thing you can cry, uh, cry out about, and that is to let people know that the word of God is enduring, and the word of God is forever. And that people in their lives might let them down, and the things that they invest in and trust might let them down, and, and, but the word of God is unchanging. Amen. What else does it say? Let's see here. Let me turn to it myself. Verse 9. O Zion, that bringeth good good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringeth good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up. Be not afraid, say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Amen. What else can you cry? You can cry of good tidings. Because the gospel is good news to people. And you, you CNN, Fox News, CNBC, you name it, you watch it. And it's always bad news after another. Amen. But as children of God, it is our calling to cry out to those around us that that is things are not as they seem, that there is good news for their situation. There is good news for our world, that God hasn't given up on it. God is still working on them. God is still working on your family. God is still working on your loved ones. Amen. And if they, if they continue to doubt, you can continue to cry out and say, verse 11, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those uh, that are with young. And so, so that's another thing that you can cry out is letting people know that God cares for them and God is their shepherd and God will gather them and God will lead them when they begin to doubt. Amen. Amen. It's a long passage of scripture. I'm not going to go through go through all of it. So let's go let's go back to let's go back to John. And so if you study John the Baptist's life, we find in Luke chapter seven that something interesting happens. And John begins to struggle with some deathbed doubts. Amen. John spends all of his life talking about um, Jesus Christ, he is the forerunner. He preaches. He re- preaches re- repentance. He preaches the coming of the kingdom. And um, and then he gets a little uh, happy in his preaching, and he begins to preach to the King Herod because how many of you know what King Herod did, right? He married his brother's uh, wife. And so John was the whistleblower. There's a lot of whistleblowing going on right now in the news. John's the whistleblower. You know who the whistleblower is. And he, and, and he told Herod that you cannot cannot do that. And in and in that he got upset. And his of course his brother's wife, who is now his wife, uh, uh, wants him put in prison. And so John's in prison. The Bible says that John's in prison for 
almost two years. He's in prison for almost two years. And this is one of the things that I, I, I struggle with in, in studying the, the life of John the Baptist is that the Lord did not do anything to help John. But he left John in that, in that prison. He left John in that prison. And it doesn't seem right because this was his cousin, number one. Number two, this is whom he loved the most. And the reason for Jesus' ministry taking off the way it is is because John the Baptist set the way. And the Lord does not respond to John as he is in prison. And, 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 it's so, and John's life is so real sometimes to, to us and, and what we experience. Because if there's anybody that ever struggled, you know, if ever anybody had a right to be upset with the Lord, it was John. Because he did everything right and he lived for God right and he, and he preached and he worked hard and he labored. And in the end, he sat in a prison for two years and the Lord didn't even acknowledge him. And John sends a message to, to, to Jesus after two years in Luke chapter 7. Actually, Luke chapter 7, verse 18. We know that Jesus is going around and he's healing people. He's raising people from the dead. In verse 18, it says, And the disciples of John showed him all these things. And John, calling unto him, two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And simply come to teach or kind of help us realize that sometimes when we're in that prison for a long time, whatever that prison is, I don't know what it is. We all have different things that we go through, and sometimes it's not fleeting, and sometimes it doesn't go away in a day, and sometimes these things that we struggle with linger around for a long time, and in, in those moments, it's very easy to look at the Lord and say, are you he that should come, or should I be looking for another? Verse 20, when the men were come unto him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits, and unto them that were blind he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way, tell John what things you have seen and heard, how the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and to the poor the gospel is preached, and this is for him. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And in studying this, I found that those that the Lord loves the most, he puts through the most things. Because the Bible says that he would not put more on you than what you can bear. Amen. And if you're going through some things and it seems heavy and it seems like you're in a prison and the Lord is not responding to you and you're going through hell and high water, I want you to know God loves you enough to put you through that. And he, and, and so, and he trusts you enough to put you through that. And so then the answer I found in all of this is when God doesn't answer your need, is he still the Messiah 
in your life. And I can't, the, 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 the thought that keeps coming to my mind is so many times Brother Grant would pray for somebody and God would heal them. And Brother Grant would still have to go home and take something for his back. Because God doesn't heal him. Amen. And that is the revelation of John the Baptist. Is that Jesus is the Messiah. How? Based on the lives that he is able to change. Amen. And that's how I found God to be real. That's how I found God to be real when I came here many, many years ago. uh, Was that I got to see God's changing power in the lives of people around me. And so let me encourage you that if you want to prove to somebody in your life that he really is the Messiah, let them see the change that God does inside of you. Amen. Amen. How many times we do we have loved ones that 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 wouldn't come to God, but then they begin to see change in us, and that encouraged them to go to church to see if this is true or not. And so Jesus Christ responds to John that I am the Messiah based on the fact that I'm able to change lives. And I want you to know God is still changing lives today. Amen. He's still changing lives today. This is not old. This is not outdated. It is still working. Amen. If you're in prison and you're doubting, is Jesus still the Messiah? I want you to know he still is because he is still changing lives. Amen. And do you still believe he's the Messiah? Even though he might not change your life, he is changing the lives of those all around us. Amen. We have families coming into the church. God's doing great things in our church. God's doing great things in, 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 in different people's lives, different family members, people who, who are coming in and visiting. God is changing their lives. Amen. He is still the Messiah because he changes people's lives, not just overnight, but it is a permanent change. Amen. Amen. That is all I've got tonight, if you'll stand with me, I hope I encouraged you. I talked a little bit about John the Baptist. Man, I said I wasn't going to be long. Amen. And what the Lord told John, he was quoting from the Old Testament. Amen. And those, anyone who encountered Jesus in the New Testament, their lives was forever changed. And when I encountered the Lord over 10 years ago, my life was forever changed. And when, it, when my life was changed, I was convinced that he is the Messiah. Despite my prisons, despite what I go through, he is still changed. He may not change in my situation, but he, if he's changing things in me, see, that's something that we don't see happen in Scripture, is that God never changed John's situation, but he changed John on the inside. And if God never changes my situation, but he'll bring you through things to change up things within you, then that means he is the Messiah. Amen. That's okay if he doesn't change my situation. That's okay if he doesn't change things. As long as he is changing things within me by by bringing me through things that seems unchanging on the outside. Amen. And if you're going through something right now, if you're going through something tonight, and physically the circumstance doesn't seem to be changing, I want you to just take a step back and say, am I being changed internally inside during this?
Because if it is, God is accomplishing what he's bringing you through that for. Amen. Amen. The situation may not change, but if you're changing, that's all that matters. And, and, and when John's head got beheaded and put on a silver platter, he kept his faith despite his doubt because God put him at ease. Amen. Let's go before the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I think that was what you wanted someone to hear tonight. That is what you wanted someone to hear tonight is despite the fact that their physical circumstance is not changing. Those prison bars are still there. You are working on the inside, and you are changing things within them that they cannot see. And that is your purpose, Lord, as you bring us through things. Go with us from this place. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Grant, if you want to come, if you have anything. Let's give Brother Twan a hand. That was very good. <clears throat> I am a little sweaty and moist because I've been on an adventure. <laughs> when I got here, the, it was, these two lights are not working. And so I knew what the problem was and I knew what to do. I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to lay down that grass out there and get red bugs on me in my suit. So I got Austin, too. So if you see Austin when you leave, it's lit up. Thank him. You know, once, one generation might have a little knowledge of what to do, but you're not really equipped to do it anymore. So I gave him the flashlight and the pliers. I take that bolt off, a little nut off right there. And he got ready to set the clock. And I said, no, you have to grab it and pull it out and twist it. Boom, lights came on. So now you have lights. But that's why I'm not very fresh. I got hot and sweaty just watching. I didn't do anything. So there you go. Old and, and humid. <clears throat> Have you ever thanked the Lord for his protecting power? And, and I mean situations, you know, in the New Testament, in the New Testament, one of the disciples asked Jesus or Jesus told him about a certain situation. I think it was Samaria. Maybe it wasn't that a wall fell on some men and killed them. And Jesus said, do you think that they were greater sinners than anybody else? No, sometimes they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Sometimes life happens. Sometimes it's inexplicable. I read on Breitbart yesterday and the day before, a man was running, I believe it was a 50-kilometer race. What is that, 30 something miles and he finished the race and got struck by lightning and killed him boom they couldn't revive him he's gone i haven't been running many races but i've been in a lot of situations i needed the lord's protection i've been on little lakes before and no trees and i'm in the middle 
I'm trying to get, and I'm trying to get off of the water, but it didn't have to turn out that way. And then sometimes there are just tragedies. And I, uh, brother Ronnie Gibrose used to tell me, he'd say, I, I thank the Lord and I ask him to keep me from tragedy every day. A tragedy is what happened. I know that you read, I can't remember the lady's name. She was a policeman. I don't remember if it was Dallas or Houston. I think maybe it's Dallas. Came home after working a long time. Went in the wrong apartment. My first question is, how did you get in? But it said she had something like a key fob that might have been a master key. She's confused. She goes in the wrong apartment. And this poor man is sitting there eating ice cream. You ought to be able to eat ice cream in your home, in your your recliner, and be okay. She comes in and starts yelling at him, thinks he's an intruder, pulled her gun, and shot him twice. He died. He was from St. Lucia. Educated man, had a good job. He was a good man. He wasn't bothering anybody. He's eating ice cream. And they found her guilty. I have no I have no feelings against her or, or anybody. But she's guilty. You shouldn't be that stupid and have a gun. He said, Well, maybe she was tired. It was somebody else's house. The article even said the the rug outside the, the door was a different color. And Sister Grant, she's she's really smart. She said, how can you walk in somebody else's apartment and not know it's your apartment? The furniture's not the same. And I said, you know what? You're right. The pictures are not even the same. <laughs> I think the poor man stood up and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? Shoot him. Do you know she only got 10 years for that? He said, brother, I feel, I feel sorry for you, too. But guess what? This man was only 28 years old. You can't go in. But you know what? Terrible things happen. Terrible, 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 terrible things happen. I thank the Lord for his mercy. I thank him for his mercy. And I know Brother Twan's already prayed. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your tender mercies. Thank you for your hand of protection. And I thank you for these sweet folks. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.